Did I hang in there? That's Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Okay, welcome to yet another episode of The Smiley Show. I am Charlie. He is Smiley, fresh out of the booth at the Fortinet Championship, where Smiley, massive, massive controversy brewing following the first FedEx Cup fall event in Napa. Why didn't Zach Johnson use a pick on Sahit the Gala? It's just, it's absurd. No, I'm just kidding. Of course, I'm just kidding. I, I, just, I, I was like, what did I miss? <laughs> no, I, I, I just feel like we've been doing so much in, in the way of outrage around Ryder Cup picks that we couldn't, I couldn't miss a good opportunity to, to, to get a little bit of it in here. Uh, but no, a huge win for Sahit. And, and obviously want to kind of unpack that. And you were there watching all those shots and calling it. But before we get to the golf piece of this, I mean, how cool was it watching his crew of family and friends? I guess upwards of 35 of them following him around you could like you could hear him loud and clear on the broadcast and and i'm just curious because i think this is such a unique sort of deal here where you have a smaller crowd for a fall event and so they have this sort of outsized impact on both the vibes in that group and and just what you're hearing on tv as well have you encountered a situation that unique before can you recall anything like that where a player had this little kind of pack of fans falling around just rooting for him so fervently that it just dominated the entire sort of soundscape. No, it definitely felt like an NFL Sunday with like his little cheerleading section. It was pretty wild just how much support he was getting, not only from his friends and family, but really, you know, they kind of, they inspired all the other fans that are out watching the final group. They're like, wait, we want to join this group of people because they're having a ton of fun. And even Cam Davis, he was in that final group and he had some really nice shots on the back nine. It was not necessarily a great day for Cam Davis, but still he hit some awesome shots where it was just a really fun atmosphere because those Tagawa fans all then were rooting for Cam Davis. It wasn't like a, Hey, we're just rooting for one guy. It, it was a really just cool setting and scene watching, uh, watching Tagawa win today. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was wild. I mean, I, I think Terry Gannon, he kind of referenced just the emotional, um, win that Cameron champ had in 2019 here at the Safeway with his grandfather and dad, just kind of an emotional scene. I was actually a little surprised that it wasn't as teary on the 18th green. Yes. It was much, much more yes, business agreed. than I thought it would be like in the interview. I thought, uh, there was going to be some waterworks. I mean, even in the booth, we were kind of trying to hold back tears at one point. It just... You know, it reminded you of, um, you know, the sacrifice that your uh, your parents make for you to play golf at an early age. And, you know, you could see it in his dad just hanging hanging by a thread every single shot. So it was really cool to see him get the job done today. And, you know, he's a he's a hell of a player, too. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really cool hearing you and Terry talk about all those stories of just the support his his dad and his mom provided him growing up and the way they motivated him. And, you know, if you watched his episode on Netflix Full Swing, you saw just the outpouring of emotion following his near miss at the WM uh, where he almost won that tournament and just the emotional release after, you know, but just the, the encouragement that, again, his dad and mom are providing. So I was really happy for them uh, to, to, to see their son win for the first time, but agreed, thought there was going to be more in the way of waterworks and and but maybe it's just a case of like look we all we always knew he was this good and he was going to win um and and here he has and, and he's done it and i thought it was cool too i think you were referencing uh what a wild spot cam davis found himself on i forget which par five it was but just a ridiculous chipping 
ridiculous chip in on 12 just inside the cart path and and the the gala crowd was maybe the loudest in in applauding him so that was a really really cool moment all around um we talked last week about the guys you know we wanted to see use this fall as a springboard for next season and, and here we are you know sahith finished 31st in the fedex cup he did not need to play this event for status uh, already in all the signature events for next season but now he goes out he has his first tour win and he has all the benefits that come with it so and you talked a little bit about this at the very end of this broadcast. You won a fall event. You won the Shriners in 2015. What did that do for your mindset heading into the 2016 full calendar year? No, it, it definitely helps a bunch. You know, it, we uh, I think when you asked who you, who I liked this week at the Fortnite, I said Akshay Batia, mainly because I felt like he was motivated to prove that, you know, I, I should have been in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And, you know, looking further past that, kind of like you were referencing, you know, Sahith just missing out by one shot, bogeying 18 at the BMW Championship, not making it to Atlanta. Like that should have triggered something in my head, but I didn't know he was playing. But here he is. You know, he teed it up this week and got the dub. So, you know, as far as the confidence goes, you get from that. Yes, it's important to know that when you get in a final group, that you can win. And I think with Sahith, you know, I was most impressed with him because I haven't really gotten a chance to watch him a ton on the PGA Tour. Mm. Really got to watch him, you know, a ton this week. Obviously, we didn't miss a shot from him. And, you know, one of the things that shocked me was, first off, how good he is around the greens. You know, I'd, I'd heard people tell me how good he is with the wedge and how good he, he is with the putter. And it, it was absurd how good he is, you know, just with the touch around the greens, the recovery shots that he was hitting were just insane the entire week. And he at one point was gaining like eight strokes on the putting green. And it was like 14 of 18 around the greens. So wow. let's, let's move past that. And the fact that like, all right, he's really good with the short game. So that's what I definitely picked up. And a lot of people already knew, but the thing that I was surprised about was how much of a shot maker he is. Mm. And you don't really see that because I, in my head, I always thought he was a fader of the golf ball. You know, just the way his mm -hmm. golf swing is to me, it looks like he has he has a ton of side bend in his golf swing. He lays the club off at the top. It doesn't seem like that really fits a draw like that doesn't scream draw to me. That screams like rotate uh, cover fade. And he kept hitting these draws with like these the, the long irons and stuff off the tees with, you know, there's OB right and he's still turning it right to left. And then like on the 12th, all this par five that, you know, it it's. Really, it fits like if you can hit this low flighted draw, it'll roll forever. You can kind of use the terrain to your advantage. And he hit it 38 feet in the air on the 12th hole with the driver and turned it, which I don't think people realize how hard of a golf shot that is to hit it really mm. low with the driver and turn it. It's it's not easy to do. And just his overall shot making ability. And one of the things that Aaron Obelholzer said in one of our breaks is I started noticing just how you know, he just loves to curve the golf ball. And, and he mentioned that he hasn't seen somebody curve it as much and can do it on, on command since Bubba Watson. And I think that to me was like, wow, this kid, you know, when his, when his ball striking is on, that's it. To me, when things get off of that golf swing, there's not like a easy quick fix to me with, with his golf swing, because it, it does have a lot of moving parts, but when it's on, man, like his short game's so good that, you know, he was able to win today because I think he was able to rely on his creativity, just the way he can see shots 
And just to me, like that was, that was the deciding factor factor besides how in control he was with his emotions. Yeah, I thought it was really cool to hear you referencing that shot making ability throughout the broadcast and then from just a, a an audience perspective. And I hope this is something we're going to get more of maybe in the fall event, maybe the access is a little bit greater. But just listening to him talk through so many of those different shots with his caddy and, and hearing the thought process, that was really, really cool access. So I hope that that's something that Golf Channel NBC for the events that you all have this fall is going to do more of because th- those are always really kind of cool, insightful moments. So um, so and, and you, this is another thing you kind of touched on at the very end of the broadcast is, is what type of goals Sahith should be setting heading into this 2024 season. I mean, you know winning should it be winning a signature event should it be winning a major making a president's cup team like if you're him what what bars are you kind of setting for yourself heading into next year yeah no i think uh getting in contention in a major championship you know early in the week to start feeling what that feels like that's kind of seems like the next step to me and then mm-hmm. with that you know that with good play uh you know winning this week is a definitely um, as we kind of been noting in the Ryder Cup standings and versus the President Cup standings, it seems to favor playing well in the PGA Tour. We kind of see that with where Tony Finau was on the Ryder Cup standings versus the President's Cup standings way back on the Ryder Cup, but further like inside the bubble as far as the President's Cup standings go. So Tagala winning this week kind of jumps himself kind of in that President's Cup range. Um, you know, I would say that would probably be the goal just, you know, because he played pretty well at the Masters last year. He was he was around that like top 12 ish. I'm not sure exactly where he finished, but 37th in the world heading into the week. I imagine with this win, he'll probably jump closer to 25, 30. I'm not sure exactly what that jump uh, will, will look like. But yeah, I, I think, you know, to me. He just looked really mature out there. He just looked like he was ready for the moment. And that's what you want to see from a young player that has a bunch of talent that hasn't won yet. You know, how how are they going to handle when they get kicked in the face and or kicked, you know, kicked wherever you want to get kicked, kicked in the shin, you know, <laughs> kicked, kicked in a place um, that's not nice to be kicked in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, seriously, though, that's that's, yeah. you know, so often you see it with young guys that have big leagues. They, they they're just handling adversity. And I just felt like. Never at any point today he got either too high or too low. So, uh, man, it was it was really fun to watch. And, and honestly, that was the best outcome for this event because, you know, there were other outcomes this week where this fall I think you're going to see um, some snoozy finish finishes as far as you know some of these fields are going to go because I was I was a little surprised at this four net field how not deep it was. You know it. I'm so accustomed to this week being the fresh new start, new faces, everybody's happy, you know, not battling for a PGA Tour card, which you're almost having to rewire your brain that the fall is, it is basically the PGA Tour playoffs for guys who are trying to get their status for next year. Yeah, it, well, and just to kind of put a bow on what you said about the golf, the Masters finished solo ninth at the Masters at five under, shot a sixty-seven on Sunday. So definitely a guy that you know could show some form in majors. Um, yeah. To your point about the depth of field, I think this is an interesting one because I was thinking about this and looking at both this leaderboard and the BMW PGA Championship leaderboard, and and I'm I'm not sure I can't recall as to whether these two events went head to head last year, but you know that that event last year came down to Max Homa and Danny Willett, right? And then this week, Danny yeah. Willett's playing. You know, in the BMW PGA Championship, and I'm wondering if some sort of knock-on effect of 
this restructured FedEx Cup fall is going to be maybe more guys going over and playing in Europe, depending on what their status are, which I think if you're talking about the partnership that the tour is trying to have, the, that the PGA Tour is trying to have with the DP World Tour and how there, there have been a lot of ways in where maybe that European tour feels hard done by, that if that's like a knock-on effect of this, like maybe that's a win. Do you, do you think that that holds any water at all? I mean, I, I think you just first off, I th- I'm going to go from the lens of a fall event tournament director on on the PGA Tour for the fall. So who who really gets hurt the most in this are fields like Fortinet. You know, this used to mm-hmm. be one of the better fields, especially in the fall. You would have guys coming in, you know, doing the wine thing. You know, this was one that was an easy one to say, you know what, I'll, I'll go play the first event of the year, get off to a good start, you know, not play a ton the rest of the fall. You know, we've seen Rory McIlroy play here, but as we go out through the rest of the fall, you know, how different is the field going to be in Jackson? I don't think it'll be crazy different than what you, you know, typically see. I think it'll be pretty similar. Um, but, you know, they used to have some guys show up at like Mayakoba, which will now be the event in Cabo. I just don't say, think you'll see, hmm. you know, anybody in the top 50 in the world showing up to Cabo, at least from what I um what I gather, but you know, it's, it's definitely very interesting in the fact, you know, you reference the BMW and how, honestly, how good did that field look? I mean, that was, they had some PGA tour players oh playing goodness. they had all the European Ryder cup players playing, which I'm sure we're going to get into, but you know, it's, it's definitely a very tricky situation for the PGA tour to go to these fall events, especially Fortinet, who's had good fields, RSM had good fields. Myco we used to have good fields, which I, I think it's the same sponsor. Um, it's like, hey, like, what you know, what's going on here? Like, why are we not getting the big names that we can sell to you know our our clients? That's like, hey, you're coming to watch this guy. I, I just think they're they're in a bit of a pickle with this fall. Yeah, it's it's so interesting, and I, I'm highly intrigued just to see how the entire thing plays out on a number of different levels. You know, levels we've talked about in terms of status for next year and who's playing their way into signature events. But yeah, just from a perspective of field strength and what this does for the sponsors, it's it's such an interesting mix of locations yeah. and 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 courses. You know, it's like tough. you wouldn't respect you. You know, it's kind of to your point, Sanderson, Jackson, Mississippi, probably field stays about the same, but like. Uh, Shriners in Vegas like what's that field going to be like the Zozo I think should have a pretty yeah, strong international field guys like Minwoo Lee playing in that like theoretically um, you know or you know, going all the way through to the end like you know the RSM at Sea Island like that's not the strongest field but that's maybe a cool golf course in a region where a lot of guys who play on tour are from so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out but definitely one to keep an eye on well um, I mean just like last year like at Shriners Patrick Canway Tom Kim played and they, yeah. they were went one two on there I like if you're them, like, is there any reason to play? You know, like, what are you, like, why do they need to play? Because it, they're not and, getting and any. Tom, Tom Kim's another points. guy. Like Tom Kim played at the BMW PGA Championship, you know, on on the DP World Tour this week. So like, that's another yeah. guy where where you're, you know, is he going to shift in that direction? I don't know. Like, I mean, and he's a guy that has, he's a guy that's in a really interesting position because he's now like he has his tour status, of course, but he's he's Korean and has international appeal there. So like, maybe that's part of the line of thinking i I, i'm not sure but i i think well to your point like it'll be yeah i mean if you finish top 50 you have you have the freedom to do whatever the heck you want to do if you want to just go watch football fall you can do that but if you finish outside the top 50 (laughs) and i feel like i'm it's like a, a broken record how many times we felt like we had to explain this on the year but 
a lot of people don't understand it. I didn't understand it going into the week. You explained it to me like four times, and now I I feel like I have it drilled <laughs> in my brain what the fall finally means. So if you're outside the top 50, I mean, you you can play. You don't have to play. Like, is it, you know, is it worth playing for just two signature events? You know, like if you're someone who's sitting around like a hundred, like does it how much does it mean to you to chase that? It's like, do I want to get healthy? Do I want to spend more time at home? I could see guys being like, you know what? I'm not playing well enough to like finish top three or four, which is what I need to do. I'm just going to like, I've made my, I'm like a hundredth. I'm, I'm safe with my card like this to the hell with it. I'm just going to sit out. And I think you're going to see, you know, here, one other thing I'll, I'll mention about the fall is that I think when we get to closer, like let's for instance, say RSM and like the storyline this week was a guy who was in the top 50, like Sahith the Gala didn't have to play this week. But he decided he wanted to play. He was ready to get back into action. But the storyline at RSM might be a guy who's 205th on the FedEx Cup going into the week and then wins the golf tournament to finish 126 or something. Let's just say they're so far back that they end up winning a golf tournament, don't get their peak. Well, I guess that they win. It doesn't matter if they get top 126 or still in the winner's category. But to my point, it's like you, you might see some crazy of crazy finishes that are have different appeals i guess here's the one thing that i that i we we go down this wormhole every week it cracks me up here's the one thing that i i have been trying to clarify unsuccessfully in terms of defining all the different ways to get in the signature events like we know it's top 50 we know about the how the next 10 works we know how the swing five works we know top 30 in the owgr how that gets you in we know that there are four exemptions the other category is tournament winners that season, but I'm unclear as to whether they're going to loop in the Wait, fall really? winners or if it's just going to be 2024 calendar year winners. So I, I, I think I, th- that could be intriguing oh, too. It's like if you're a guy that you like, if you're, if you're a guy that that you know, I mean, the goal is already in, right? But it, it, that same guy that that is 205th. He wins. He's now 126. So he so he's he's exempt because he has two years as a as a winner on the PGA Tour. Now he's in signature events. It's like you could take these shots in the dark. Now these guys are going to be trying to play anyway, right? Because they're trying to get their status on tour. But it is interesting some of the implications of playing these events and the and the the range of players that could. It's like that could be a waste of time. But if I go out and win the thing, well, then all of a sudden it was a great use of my time. So I, I don't know. It, it's 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 very strange to see, or it'll be interesting to see how different players choose to approach their calendar. In well, the fall. all right, let's. I'll, I'll answer the question for you, not knowing the answer. <laughs> and I think the answer is <laughs> it, it it it'll be the 2024 winners because if you add seven guys from the fall to these signature events that are supposed to be, how many guys are in those? Like 70 or something like that? 80? They they, 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 they said some. fields between seventy. To, they said fields between seventy and eighty is kind of what they've said is the, is their is their rough number. So if you have so you're at sixty five right through fifty next ten swing five, and then yes. you shouldn't have a ton of like additional added through top thirty OWGR, but like JT, he's going to be one that'll come via. Yeah, you know, top thirty OWGR because he was he's whatever twenty five in the world, but he was seventy one on the FedEx Cup list. So you, so maybe you have a, a handful, you may like two or three of those that get you to like high sixties, and you have four exemptions, then low seventies. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, well, it, I guess the field the field will be its smallest for is Pebble first or is uh, Genesis first? 
Pebble comes before Genesis. So like that'll be the smallest the signature field or signature event field will be for all the signature events throughout the year. Because if you keep adding guys, like it'll like tournament winners, like it'll just continue to get larger and larger as the year goes on. So the last the last signature event, which would be oh help me out here. What the heck would that be? Um uh let me get just tap dance here for a second for <laughs> yeah i'm just thinking like june july i mean i know the i feel like it's also Memori- be kind early of a, it's in kind the of memorial i think it's probably, travelers right? it'll be travelers it'll be travelers travelers that's that's right that's right yep that'll be correct. what it, it's memorial second last uh, travelers is last so that field will probably have the most because you talk about there's a lot of events um from the memorial to the travelers if that's the the uh kind of the if those two are between each other, that's, you know, a good month and a half of, so about three or four events that might get added for tournament winners, especially if you have a year where maybe the top players aren't winning and you have some other guys that are winning, then you, then you start adding guys. But I do like winning gets you in. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds good. Right. Like I think, I think all the categories I like in theory, I mean, it's just so much of this is, I, I think I know how I feel about it right now, but let's see what happens when it actually when we play the tournament, and then I'll tell you how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> next, I, I think we, I think we next we have to go to the Justin Thomas conversation, but I, I want to preface it with with kind of two statements here. And the first one is we heard Zach Johnson and Stuart Sink say earlier in the week that this tournament is going to have no bearing on how they're going to use JT or Max Homa in Rome. So just let's just get that one out of the way first. Um, and then I think the second thing is that I actually, rather than talking about JT in a vacuum, I think the most interesting Ryder Cup conversation to have here is drawing connection between what JT did this week and what Ludwig Aberg did this week. Because it's it's eerily similar, in, in, in my opinion, where JT starts a tournament, shoots 69, 67, 65, trending in the right direction, right there with a chance to win the tournament, then shoots a 72 on Sunday to fall back a little bit, finish fifth, right? Ludwig, very similar scenario. He shoots a 68, a 66, and another 66. He held a lead or a share of it at multiple points throughout the weekend, including the first part of Sunday, but then makes a, a handful of doubles, shoots a 76 on Sunday, falls back to T10. So, just from a, like a mindset perspective, if you're putting yourself in Justin or Ludwig's shoes, are you leaving this weekend thinking more about Thursday through Saturday or is Sunday kind of leaving a rotten taste in your mouth? Well, I mean, I think those two are in completely different situations. You know, I, I would say going into the week, their trajectories couldn't have been more opposite. You know, if you had a, a graph looking at who was, you know, playing better at the as far as the last month or two goes or however many months, you know, JT's been on a steady decline with, with signs of that he was coming back where Ludwig Aberg has been on a, on an airplane. It seems like, um, over the last couple months, really just on a very nice upward trajectory. But as far as this week goes with these two, you know, I think for different reasons, it was good for both of them because, mm-hmm. you know, Ludwig Aberg hasn't necessarily, so he wins on the European tour, but was it, in front of a field like we just saw at the DP World Tour? No, it wasn't. You know, he just played in the European Ryder Cup as far as just their scouting trip. So now he's in front of all these guys. All the guys know who he is now. They see what his golf ball looks like in the air. They, they see what type of talent he is. And then he goes and plays the first couple rounds with some studs as well. I'm not sure who he got paired with. Was it Rory and Victor? Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, so plays with Rory and Victor. 
and goes out and just kind of wipes the floor against Rory the first couple of days. And uh, Victor was kind of probably somewhere around the top 10 shocker. And, <laughs> you know, going into Sunday, it's a, it's a tall task, you know, to, to win in, into a field like that. So I'm sure he was feeling the pressure. I didn't get a chance to watch it. Don't know how bad it really was. Was it a day where he didn't get anything going? It, it was bad breaks. It, it was I didn't watch the entire thing, but I watched the highlights and it was basically early on. Ten, he had 10 footers two, per par. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it was like early on. He had two kind of like short sided green side chips where he tried to kind of go high with it and left it short on, on, on the like mm-hmm. there was a par three where he, he kind of he missed right and he hits like kind of a flop shot that gets caught up. It, not even on the not even on the fringe on the car yeah, like yeah, in the yeah, rough yeah. again and then from there you know chips it chips it long on his third misses fourth coming back makes a double mm. and then same deal flubs another chip a couple holes later and then uh horseshoes out a, a, a bogey putt and ends up making double there so it was like kind of wonky short game stuff or maybe he just missed his spot with the chip and then it compounded into a, a larger error and then all of a sudden you got a double on the card it's like oh wait a second this is not the direction and that I'm was to what go. was that was that like how early was that the, that was front nine. Both those, both of those doubles okay. were on the front nine. Oh, we yeah. had two doubles on yeah. the front nine. Okay, wow. Yeah, wow. I mean, right. his his card for the day was he he made a bogey on the first hole, birdie on the fourth, doubled the fifth, doubled the seventh. Uh, then on the back nine, birdies the twelfth, bogeys the fourteenth, and then you know pars the rest of the way. It's a four over seventy six. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was just okay. kind of just early mistakes that compounded that that ended up you know dropping him out of contention. Yeah. Okay. So Ludwig shooting four over, just poor start, whatever it is, front nine, you know, finishes at four over, still finishes top 10, but still, I think the experience is really good. So to answer your question about Ludwig versus JT, I'll, I'll finish with Aberg saying really good week, getting in contention, you know, teeing off on Sunday, having a chance to win at a field like that only helps because you know how big those crowds are at BMW. You know, that's a, a taste of what it's not even going to be close to a tenth of what he's going to experience in a couple of weeks in Rome. But still, I think just the pressure, I think just feeling those nerves, that probably was going to be really good for him. And he's going to probably be able to use the things he didn't necessarily pull off today, maybe to his advantage in a couple of weeks. But to JT, um, he had an interesting day. And I think everybody's going to look at the scorecard shooting even par. He hit four fairways. And according to JT, he hit four fairways, but he had 12 of the 14 fairways. Like the golf ball was in the fairway at one point. So it was hmm. a day where he was actually really close to being in the fairway and having opportunities to score. And this was the hardest day out here today. It was, it was as firm as it was all week. And the wind was up more so than it was all week. And I saw a lot of guys when they got in the rough, they just cannot figure out if it was how how much it was jumping, if it was coming out spinning out of the first cut, and just a lot of just tricky stuff out there if you were not in the fairway. So one he got it, it really was a, it was just a little span of the golf that really got away from him. The third hole had a super easy up and down and chipped it about three and a half feet by missed a putt from and it, it was outside the hole three and a half footer misses that and goes to the fifth hole and hits his worst drive of the week hits it out of bounds and retees didn't hit another good drive but makes a good bogey 
Um, and then really the rest of the way just couldn't, he was just very, very close. Like he was a yard away to being in the fairways kind of to my point earlier. And, you know, he kind of fought down the, down the stretch, made an eagle on number 12. And I think he has a lot to be, you know, when you ask about Thursday, should he just think about Thursday to Saturday or whatever? But I think the week in general, he's going to be able to pull so many different things, right? Like he had days where he drove it really well. He had days where he ironed it really well. You know, one of the days he was really good around the greens. And I think today, not necessarily good really across the board, but he was able to feel the pressure of of winning on Sunday. So there's that same deal with Aberg. It's like, all right, both guys got to feel, you know, kind of just that tense um, pressure, what it would feel like. And, man, I watched his warm-up too, Charlie, and, um, this morning. It was – I mean, he didn't miss a shot. So mm. it, he really – I feel like he got better and more comfortable with his golf swing that he knows what he needs to go work on next week. Yeah, it's it's so intriguing. I mean, I just I can't help but think of the the, the very amateur mindset perspective where you know you go out and you're you're playing like a a practice round or like a warm up nine for a men's league and you, you're missing birdie putts and you're like oh yeah no I'm saving those I'm saving those for the real thing and and in watching you know JT today it's like you know it's like okay he didn't play the way he wanted to probably you know, you want to go out and win the tournament, but I wonder if part right. of this kind of gives you some fodder to kind of work on. And if I missed a fairway by a yard or two here, and I know it's going to be tight and Marco Simone, and I know that hitting, you know, fairways is going to be at a premium mm, because we've heard point. them talk about, you know, like they described as California Muni rough, where it's a snarled, you know, mess of all these different grasses and you don't want to be there that maybe it's like, okay, I was out there today. I was trying to execute shots. You know, maybe it was a little bit loose. I really need to kind of dial that in and focus on that to make sure that I can score when I get when I get to Rome. So, I mean, all in all, I mean, I, th- that's interesting to hear that perspective and especially the warm ups up because I was like, this is, I think this is about as as good at least for those first three days as, as you could have hoped for for JT to kind of show people, hey, I'm I'm back. And then the last day gives you mm-hmm. some stuff to work on. So, um. And that's a bit of a segue there into the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth because uh, it's pretty pretty hilarious here, man. Because I, I was thinking when we left our discussion last week where we were trying to set the over-under for number of Team Europe players finishing in the top 10. Uh, and, and I think I set it at five and a half and took the under. You set it at four and a half and took the over. And I was like, God, that was so dumb. Like that five and a half is ridiculous. I should have set it at like three and a half or something like that. And it's still a question whether you want to take over-under. <laughs> They had seven guys finish top 10. Now, I know some of those were ties, but seven of the 12 guys on their roster finished top 10 at this event. I mean, that's that's kind of mind-blowing. I mean, I, I, I just, I mean, Hatton tied for second, Rom fourth, Hovland fifth, Fleetwood sixth, McElroy T7, Aberg T10, Straka T10. I mean, it, it, in terms of a confidence boost, like that's about as good as it gets, right, for Team Europe? No, I, I, we've been talking about it for a while. You know, I think at the beginning of the year, there were question marks about the back half of the lineup for the European team. And it and it seems like you and I, like over the last, you know, couple months, were like, wait, I think they're actually kind of rounding into form <laughs> yeah. in the fact that, that I really felt Luke Donald had pretty easy decisions. And I'll, I, I still don't really understand why Adrian Moronk wasn't picked. Uh, over uh, maybe Hoygaard. I'm not sure who it was between. Um, I guess you can argue whatever, but I, I, I was surprised Moronk wasn't picked. But anyways, man, yeah. I mean, you just got to talk about the confidence that group's going to have. I think 
just the camaraderie that they got to go over, play together. They all got paired together this week, which I think was so important. And really, too, the other part and component is that they all play together, all paired together the first two days, and nobody missed the cut. So yeah, nobody incredible. saw nobody saw anybody struggle. You know what I mean? Like to where everyone, if they were on the close to the cut line, everybody grinded it out and made the cut. So I thought that was really um, good to see for the European team. Yeah, like Hoygaard, I think, struggled the worst. I think he shot a 76 on Thursday and then rallies back to make the cut. Finishes T64, oh, wow. which, you know, not not what he would have liked, but still kind of to your point, all 12 guys and their captain making the cut. You know, it's got to be a huge confidence booster, I think. Um, I, I'm curious. Where did Morag finish? Morag finished uh, top 10. I was He's like the shadow. Uh, did he really? Or, well, actually, no, no, no. I take that back. He was maybe just outside. He was up there. He 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 played really well all week. He was he finished. Why can I not find him now? On this, I'm doing a. He must not have had a good Sunday. Aimless leaderboard he was up there. scroll. I oh yeah, you know he 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 shot. He did not play well on the weekend. He finished t twenty eight. He shot a sixty seven sixty eight okay. to open up. Then he finished seventy three seventy two. So there you got go. It. Just cementing. I think really got to ask a lot of questions. Why Luke Donald didn't pick Ryan Fox? Just what are you doing? I'm just kidding. I I, I know I know Ryan Fox is Australian. First off, he's not eligible. <laughs> or, I, actually, I was right. I think he's from New Zealand. Either way, not eligible. Yeah, uh, but uh, not eligible. But uh, but so I mean, I, I think, and you were talking about it there. All those guys playing in threesomes and and kind of getting a feel for each other, and maybe those are some pods. I'm curious coming out of this tournament if this clarifies at all for you, kind of who the horses are going to be. For the Euros in Rome, because, you know, you look at that leaderboard again and, and the guys who finished top 10, like Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, Tyrrell Hatton. We, we knew those guys were going to play as many sessions as possible. Can probably also through, throw Tommy Fleetwood in, in that that group as well. But like Ludwig Aberg, Sepp Straka, like maybe this tips the scales for them as guys who are like, we can really count on them for, for more sessions than maybe we expected to. Mm. I mean, maybe so. I, I think one of the things I picked up from uh, the U.S. guys here this week, you know, JT, Max, uh, Stuart Sink, I didn't get a chance to uh, see Zach Johnson. But, you know, I think one of the things that we talked about, this was, I think, in our last podcast, was how hilly it is there mm-hmm. and how big of a factor that's going to be as far as how many sessions uh, these guys are going to play. And what I kind of took away was that I think depth is really important this week. Because I don't think that anybody, you can't just ride a guy for five five matches because that singles match, they're going to be absolutely done. Um, apparently, it's it's Kapalua-like as far as the hills go. I uh, As soon as I heard that this week or last week, I've been hitting the, uh, the elliptical. I've been having people <laughs> call me in the middle of my workouts to tell me, how far are you and, and give me a um, and give me a read on something, you know, like. Like, I need you to call me middle Peloton and just say, JT's at seven. What's the situation? And <laughs> what, I'm going to have to. What are the whoop numbers looking like? Are, are we like, are we seeing a building of endurance here? I'd love to see some charts no, on it's, that. No, it, it, I've, I've been hitting the gym, but here's, it's really difficult to walk hills and not knowing when they're going to come down to you and to try to catch your breath and not, and not sound like you're winded. Cause it's so yeah. easy to do to just be huffing and puffing. And trying to, you know, get you all your thoughts out without losing your breath or sounding like you're out of shape. So uh, that's going to be an interesting. It's not a cart week either. I'm not going to be able to take a cart out there because of the crowd. So mm. it's going to be a lot of hoofing and a lot of just uh, a lot of standing for me when I'm calling shots. 
Also, probably bad optics. Smiley Kaufman taking a cart. We want to kind of maybe push that down the road a few years if we can. Oh uh, man, I yeah. love taking carts, but it's not a good cart week. <laughs> um, well, that well, that's I mean, intriguing. I mean, that is that's about as strong as you probably could get um, for Team Europe without one of those guys winning the tournament, and and maybe yeah, to the same 100%. point we're making about. You know, 100%. JT is like maybe kind of nice to leave that a little bit on the table and keep those guys a little bit hungry. So um, I just want to come back to, to the FedEx Cup fall real quick for a minute because um, I just think it's worth us keeping tab on these two sort of categories that I think are really important as we head into next year. The first one is the next 10 and and the, the second one is like that last three in, first three out on either side of the top 125 line. So your current next 10, at least projected, the last I saw was Mackenzie Hughes remains at 51, Nick Hardy at 52, Taylor Montgomery at 53, Alex Smalley at 54, Thomas Dietrich at 55, Steven Yeager at 56, Bo Hossler jumped a few spots up at 57, as did J.J. Spawn, who jumped up to 58, Brandon Wu at 59, and Davis Riley at 60. So those guys are who would currently kind of be in to, to, the, to the signature events via that category. And then if you're looking at that 125 line, the fir- the last three in are C.T. Pan, Patton Kazire, and Marty Doe. And on the other side of that line, Eric Van Royen is 126th. Um, and, and that's an interesting one because his winner's exemption from the 2021 Barracuda expires at the end of the fall. And then you got Trey Mullinex at 127, who still has a year left on his winner's exemption from the 2022 Barbasol, and then 128th Austin Smotherman. So just ones I want to keep an eye on. Anything there that kind of pops for you in terms of intriguing storylines or, or guys you're, you're hoping will make it into some of these events next year? Not really, mainly because there's so many more events. You know, it, yeah. it, I think it'll just it's really hard to, to say like, oh, these guys are safe, not safe. We don't really know what the fail safe number is. Uh, for the 50 to 60, we don't really know the fail safe number for the top 125 either. Is it if you're 110 right now, are you good? We, we, we really just don't know. And I think it all depends on who plays well and kind of where they s- sit in the FedEx Cup. Oh, wait. And actually, <laughs> breaking news because I just checked and the projections changed once again. And actually, SH Kim is a guy who's jumped way up into uh, yeah. the, fi- the 57th position. He's good, uh, dude. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. So that, that's that's just an issue. I, I, and I agree with you. I mean, super early. Just worth kind of continuing to keep tabs on as we're looking at how next year is going to shape up. So that's kind of – listen, That that's the majority of the golf items I had for this week. I, I'm curious. Uh, tell us a little bit about the week in Napa. Do you uh, – any, any decent wine out there? How, how was the week? Nah, man, I, I was pretty lame. I'm not going to lie. Uh, mm. I I really did not do anything very fun. I went to dinner by myself like a couple nights, so mm. I was kind of bored. It was, was kind of bored this week, but, uh, you know, I spent some time on my fantasy football team, you know, really just uh, made sure my guys were ready this week. So that was uh, <laughs> that was really first and foremost. I need to get it uh, out of the, uh, the losing column and getting into the my first fantasy win, which looks to be so. Um, nah, I didn't. I didn't. I took it easy. Okay. All right. That's fine. I was just curious. If we got had any little notable sips. Uh, well, I will say, look, your your, your LSU Tigers got convincing first conference win on the road, forty one to fourteen. Yeah. Over Mississippi how about State. them Tigers? Twelfth on the AP poll. I mean, it's got to feel like you know we're, we're building back. I mean, like I said, you know, you're gonna lose lose early. And then you just kind of build back over the rest of the year. You're 12 in the AP poll. You're fine. You're fine if you handle business yeah, the rest no. of the year. 
I tell you what, when you look at the West, you know, just watching how bad Alabama struggled with South Florida, their quarterback situation, and yeah, just the rest of the and, and just the rest of the West is just not like crazy impressive. You know, our we definitely have some weaknesses for sure on our team that teams can expose, and we could definitely lose games. But you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see us kind of be back in Atlanta this year and playing whether it's Georgia, whoever it is, but. Um, I think we got a pretty good team, so we'll see what they do. That's right, yeah. And Florida State is, of course, a non-conference loss. Um, they almost lost to Boston yeah, College yeah. this weekend, which was uh, that would have been delightful. Um, oh, I know. I was, uh, I was, I was watching a little bit of that North Carolina Minnesota game. I was rowing right. the boat early. We're I was rowing that boat. Smashing but we'll oars. Had a good time. Smashing oars. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. <laughs> it was. I mean, listen. Not without. Um, not without a little bit of intrigue. It was. It was early on. We were up, and then we Drake threw a couple of picks that. I just listen. He's been throwing I'm some not, picks, huh? What's the deal I'm with not, that? I'm not it's like saying four it. The year. I'm not saying it, but but people are talking. We're wondering kind of what what's happening with Drake. I mean, I mean, here's a tough thing for Drake. Last year, Drake May. In one season, cemented himself as the greatest quarterback in North Carolina history. And I know, okay, I, I hear you all out there laughing about that and saying, who do they have? Look, there's actually an impressive list of quarterbacks that have played in North Carolina. Most recently, Sam Howell, who's like winning games for the Washington Commanders now. So I think that um, that it, it, was, it was a phenomenal year and it has him on the Heisman shortlist. This year, it's like there's just something that's a little bit off. Like it's like he's kind of missing some touch throws that um, – that maybe he would have hit last year. And it's still early and we're still 3-0. So I'm not going to complain too much. But I'm just saying there's some rumblings of just what's happening with Drake. So yeah, two, two picks early on, but mm, then interesting. Righted, righted the boat, so to speak. Righted the ship with, with the oars that we forcefully took from the Golden Gophers. Um, How bad was Minnesota? Were they bad? Uh, that quarterback is about as bad as it gets. I think at one point <laughs> someone texted me a stat line. like, he's five for 16. So it's not like we're playing the greatest, oh, greatest man. team in the world. And, and I, I, it, I'll answer too real quick. Mississippi State's a really bad football team. <laughs> Just along. Yeah, we beat the crap out of them. But man, that was as bad of a Mississippi State team as I've seen. But it's like, listen, we can't, we don't supply the players to the other team. Like you just got to beat who's in front of you and you, <laughs> right, go, yeah. you go ahead yeah. and do it. And then you keep moving. Um, we're now 17th in the AP poll. Um, listen, I, I'm really proud of my 11 month old son, Walker, who made it all the way to five minutes left in the fourth quarter in his first football oh, wow. game. So how about that? Yeah. Hey, Anna Carter went to her first football game as well this weekend in Auburn. So did she really? Uh, yeah. They're, Anna Carter crossed that off the list and so did Walker. So uh, they need a. I asked, I asked Francie if Anna Carter got like a bid to a sorority while she was down there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's still on the wait list. <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> yeah, she's got she's got to uh, do the the whole rush thing where you do the dances and all that. God, those videos are they are really something. Um, yeah, we, we need to get we need to get a little play date together for Walker and Anna Carter at some point down the road. But I'm, I'm oh, yeah, he's doing a really cute thing now where we score and he like claps his hands. Um, we walking good. yet? We're not walking, but it, it could be happening soon. I mean, the kid is scooting. He lo- he's a he's a mm. powerful crawler. But I think it's almost, he's almost too good at crawling. He's like, why do you want me to stand up and try to walk? I can just get there way faster if I just crawl. So how many months? Like 11? Uh, he'll be 11 months. By the time of the drop of this episode, he'll be 11 months in two days. So wow. yeah, we're sitting right at eight. So she's yeah. Anna Carter's not crawling yet, but she's sitting up great. 
Um, I don't I don't see her walking till about a year. So we'll see. I think years about as early as it's going to happen for Walker. But crawling's coming soon for you. I think Walker was like eight or nine months, too. So it's uh, and then all bets are off. It's like put the <laughs> magnet locks on everything. And oh, we've been doing it like oh. it's just it's like boarding up for a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really uh, it's really something. It's a ton of fun, but it's also like this is going to be exhausting. So um. So, yeah. So, listen, a little bit of college football, a little bit of fatherhood. You know, you get it all on the Smiley Show. Um, we're we're going to we've been talking about this. We're going to do college football picks soon. We give you the hottest intel on the streets for some SEC and ACC football games. But that is going to come after the Ryder Cup. Once we kind of get deeper into conference play, we sort of pick those games. We're still kind of doing the weird thing where half the teams are playing conference games. The other are playing cupcakes. Mm-hmm. So let's let's get a little bit further into the schedule and do it then. Um I've got a grab bag of other items here for you. Um, we have a confirmed surgery date. And just for the YouTube crowd, I will be wearing a hilarious neck brace for about six weeks. That cannot come <laughs> off if I want this thing to heal properly. So yeah, what did, what did Doc say? He just said that this is this is the way to do it. Wear the it, neck brace. Can you, So it never comes off. Well, you can take it off to shower, but you're just not supposed to move your neck at all. You can't move your neck up and down or left and right. And um, can you like itch your neck if it's itchy? I, I do you have like a yeah, it's a good question i mean like i i think can if, if i stick something inside it like i just can't i if i take the if i take the brace off it cannot be for long stretches of time and, and i cannot move my neck in any of those directions for six weeks for the bones to heal the way he wants them to heal and there was like oh, a, a stern warning in the packet it was like if you do this you take this off like the people who wear the brace it heals within like three months six months People who don't take some like a year, two years. And I'm like, that's not what I want. I want to get me healed. I want to get back to playing golf as fast as I can. Although, big breaking news. The the good people at Lab Golf are building me a broomstick. And we're going to get a ton of neck brace broomstick content for six weeks. It's going to be so sick. And I'm just going to be so dialed coming out of that brace. It's also probably you identified a real head movement problem with my putting. So I yeah, think I think 100%. the neck brace maybe the neck brace keeps me in the same place. Like this could be a blessing in disguise. Oh, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know currently when it comes to your putting. <laughs> and what I do know is whatever you had going needed to be fixed. So if this if this is something that might help um, anchor you down a little bit and not looking like you're on a teeter totter seesaw, that I think that's good. Yeah, seesaw didn't translate to a ton of made putts uh so we're gonna try neck brace broomstick to see if that gets us off the seesaw game maybe we'll, maybe we'll email <laughs> denny mccarthy see if he's got any hot tips for us um and then what else do i have for you here oh hope valley member guest this weekend oh he, there you go nice made it made it to the semis with my brother last year out of the death flight so i need to we need to avenge that loss so uh, this is like your this is your tour championship this is the tour championship. I mean, this is like, yeah, I guess, I guess in, in terms of calendar placement, I was trying to think about that. You know, I, I do this often where I'm like thinking about my silly calendar of, of club events and I'm like, what majors would I equate these to? And it's like, well, is the club championship like the US Open or the Masters? Like, I don't know. It's, like, is, Yeah, that's the Masters, man. That's the Masters. But then like what? Like member member is like what? Member member is kind well, of more like, like the Masters. I guess here's the opposite thing. Like most club championships are at the end of the calendar or like the end of yeah. the summer typically or like early fall, you know, so it's more more so like the last big event of the year. But it's the most significant, so that's where I say it. That's why it's the Masters. I almost think that like people care the most about member guests, so it almost makes member guests the Masters. Really? 
Yeah, because it's like it's the thing that the club spends the most money on. It's like, oh, it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I see what you're saying. It's impossible to get into the field unless you have enough points. Like, it's just like it, it's it's the Super Bowl, you know? So, points. It's like, what do you mean, points? Oh, dude, it's a very hotly debated thing. It, 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 oh, you, don't even get started because I, I don't want to, I don't even want to go down that path. It, it's like <laughs> the next 10 swing five of it's like you, you, you gotta, you accrue points for various events played over a rolling three year basis. And then the top 60 on that list get into the member guest. It's very, it's very much like there are different categories. It's a whole, it's, but yeah. How does a rookie even get in, you know? So if they don't get a chance to play, you can't, that's and that and that is a concern that's been voiced by many. Uh, Busha, Busha. But I, I think what's going to happen is that the old guys are going to get really upset when in a couple of years all the kids who've been playing all the events to get points boot them out, and they're going to have to dump the entire point system. So put a Jeez. pin in that one. We'll have all the updates on the Hope Valley point system uh, for you on this podcast. And also, I'll just finish with I think I'm going to change the pronunciation of my last name. I really don't like the pronunciation of my last name. I think I'm going to change it. What are you talking about? I don't I don't like Hume. I think I want to be Charlie Holm from now on. I think I'm gonna be Charlie Holm from now on. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think we were gonna go there tonight, but if if we need to go there, I mean, yeah, I think it would be nice to uh for it to be home because that's how it reads. Yeah. But I also have it ingrained in my head, engraved in my head that it's Hume. So um tomato tomato? I think and I'll, I'm going to I want to give you a ton of credit here because of all the people in my professional life, all of whom I've told the correct or what was the correct pronunciation of my last name, you are the only person who actually gets it right. Everyone else calls me home. <laughs> so first of all, kudos to you. But also, I'm really sorry because I think we're going back to home. So, wow. And what was the just uh, what was the the reason? Like, what was the kicker? Uh, I just I think it's I think it's a number of different things. I think actually, if you trace our our family history, it actually was home originally. And then my great grandfather's well, my my great grandmother and she went my great grand met my great grandfather, started calling him Hume. And then he just was too afraid to, to correct her. And so it stayed Hume. So I'm really kind of going back to my my the, the roots of my lineage. But also it's, okay. it's 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 mainly just the reading thing. It's like if you read that, it, you either get home or homey from that. There's the only two ways you can go. And I just want to go to the mm. easiest place. Plus, it's also like it's also like it sounds Nordic. I like that whole Nordic Scandinavian type thing home. And also mm-hmm. like if, I, if I'm like ever playing in some, you know, large event with lots of fans and like I do something good and then they're going to go, Hume, and it's going to sound like they're booing. And I, I just don't like that. It's not good for my <laughs> psyche. It's just it's what a event hard to tell. are they? I mean, you what just event never know. are you going to be at? <laughs> you got to plan ahead. You just got to plan ahead, you know, because you don't want to get there and it is how it is. You know, I mean, it's like I, a, mean, I can't the, change We're talking about point. the neighborhood. We're talking about the neighborhood softball league that he's concerned about. The yeah. uh, He just wants to get the name right. <laughs> I just so want to I just I just want to just get ahead of any of those potential issues. So, listen, thank you for thank you for uh, coming to my TED talk. That was my grab bag of, of bizarre items. Um do you, have, do you have anything else you want to get in the notes here, Smiley? Uh, I do have a bizarre item. Um, oh, okay, please. I have been, I've been down animal TikTok this week, and okay. I can't get in. I can't get enough of bear TikTok. I I love anything bear related. And Joe Rogan, uh, I constantly watch his clips all the time, and he's a big <laughs> bear guy as well. And I'm my grandfather name is already Papa Bear. Like this is my like okay. this is my name. 
I, I've, I, you know, like the animal emoji, like the bear that you can like talk and it, and, and yes. it's like an animal's talking. And so I send like happy birthday videos to people with a bear. So <laughs> I have a Papa bear mug at the house and bear gifs are the best gifs. So I, I love bears, but this week I've been watching polar bears hunt seals on TikTok. Okay. And man, it's crazy. Just the okay. craziest thing ever. And yeah, so if, if any of you guys out there trying to find something to do one night, get down polar bear TikTok. It's wild. Polar, polar bears hunting seals. So what is it? What are you most enjoying about like are are you are you finding the hunting method interesting? Are you uh, finding just, it yeah, like yeah. it's an adorable animal hunting another adorable animal? Like like what t- <laughs> talk talk me through this a little bit. I want to unpack this. Well, uh, one of the things I learned that most polar bear hunts end in failure. Nine out of ten times oh. when they're hunting, they fail. So I'm like, I'm now I'm cheering for the seal to die because they, <laughs> you know, and and they pan in on the seal, and I'm like, man, I don't I don't want this this guy to go down because he's you know got the little yeah, mustache yeah, totally. and it looks like he just ate Whataburger for two two years. So <laughs> I'm looking at this seal and he, but he's honestly he he looks he's asking for it sitting on these little these little icebergs out there and uh, this polar bear, like he creeps up like a crocodile and then jumps up there. And uh, most of the time he fails, but one time he got him in the neck and, and drug him up there. And uh, it was, it was tight. I mean, I, the seal was cute, but man, he, he needed to go. It's amazing how some of those like animal documentaries, like I, you know, I forget, I forget the name of them now, but like the, the, the ones that are narrated by British people, you know, absolutely love yes, them. Yes, they're awesome. They're so great, but they, they have a way of flipping it. So like the animal you think is the villain no longer becomes mm-hmm. the villain. Yep. It's like the polar yep. bears that are like, they're on this long hunt and they're like, oh, these poor baby seals. But then it, then polar bear goes back to her little cubs and these poor cubs oh they haven't eaten oh the the polar bear cubs haven't eaten in weeks and we're not sure when their next form of sustenance will come from so it's surely a tragic and you're like oh let's see some seal blood let's kill some seals right now you know it's it's like that's where they got me yeah i love that well i'm happy for you man that was i'm glad we got that one yeah i know uh, big big polar bear guy and uh you know the other good ones are the like the crocodile like big big snake battles those are oh, the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah those are that's a that's a uh a rivalry that I, I enjoy watching to see who comes out uh the victor there's some guy on tiktok and i think he's been on rogan who he keeps surfacing in my like for you feed or whatever where he's like talking about going to like the deepest darkest reaches of the amazon and like oh, hunting the, the giant people there. boas yeah, yeah you've been yeah. down that oh, oh my gosh i i couldn't it, get enough of that stuff like the sub like the forest like the, the lake mm. forest where like all the boas so go cool. and he like jumped on top of one that was crazy to me and like Didn't so eerie call, didn't you kind of call bullshit on that guy though a little bit he <laughs> well i mean yeah i think yeah I, I think you have to decide why you're there am i here to be entertained or am i here for like to hear He's- something that's true he said he was dragged by a 20 foot python that he couldn't wrap his hands all the way around for like a mile. And I'm yeah. thinking in my head, like this doesn't, I think he, like, I think he was having uh, I don't think any of this happened. Like there's just no way. Well, you know, it, it's actually, if you think about it, it's like a perfect lane to be in because none of it's <laughs> going to be like, no, <laughs> exactly. There's no, you can just be like, yeah, I was man, there I'm, last month. There's no way <laughs> yeah. like, I, I was, I saw a velociraptor down there too. Like you can tell me I didn't like anything could happen in the Amazon. You know, you don't know. Uh, so I, I kind of like, I feel like we need to find our lane there. Like what stories can we tell that no one can, 
and then we can get huge on TikTok. It'd be amazing. Oh gosh, <laughs> we just yeah. we we gotta find a good TikTok lane where like there's a sound they're using of us or something. I don't yeah, know what don't it is know. yet, but I, I, there's something there to learn from that guy. It's the this yes, there definitely is. And and just to finish up on TikTok, I think it's probably the most addicting app oh. I've ever come across. It's the I can't I can't put it away. It's it's uh I've been trying to delete this app for like three years now, and I can't do it. Because it, I just love I, I love watching just random random stuff. It, it's it's the best algorithm that exists. I haven't even told you this. I, I'm officially done with Twitter. I'm tired of it. I'm not using it anymore. I delete it off my phone. The only time I bring it back up on my phone is, is when I tweet things out from the Smiley Show account. But so it's just Instagram, TikTok for me from now on. And so with with the with the TikTok, so I end up spending more time on TikTok now. And it's just you go down these just. They just feed you more and more and more and more good stuff. And uh, I, I'm like, you know, this uh, you, you cannot stop. It's it's the it's like it's the best algorithm that exists on social. I can't stop and I won't stop. Somebody needs to take my phone and delete it because I, I need to. But I also love a good trend. So we don't need to be missing anything. Yeah. And follow us on TikTok, you know. <laughs> follow us on tiktok follow us on twitter uh which i may or may not see follow us on instagram at the smiley show any of those places follow us on youtube really that's the place we want you to go at the smiley show also on youtube so that's a that's a great way to kind of bring it home and, and now let's just kind of tell you that we the slate of things we have coming up next so we got a lot of kind of cool fun stuff happening on the show in the next few days and weeks so on thursday september 21st we're gonna have a conversation with Wyndham clark ahead of his Ryder cup debut smiley's gonna Talk to Wyndham for you know about 45 minutes to an hour. Really excited for that one. Uh, Wyndham is confident right now. Um, are, anything in particular you're hoping to talk to Wyndham about or, or just Ryder Cup in general? Uh, honestly, I, I'm going to um, I'm really excited to talk to him about the Wells Fargo. I'm excited to yes. talk to him about the U.S. Open and really just about this last year. You know, I, I saw him at the CJ Cup last year and I just remember walking away from the practice round. He's playing with Jordan. And thinking to myself, man, like this guy could be really, really good if he can just put it all together. And I think it's going to be a really fun conversation just to find out, you know, why this year, what was, you know, what was it that really took him to the next level? I, I do think I know most of most of the answers, but I think there's some there's some stuff that I'm really excited to get really deep into with him. And uh, yeah, definitely talk some Ryder Cup, too. That'll be fun. And, and then following that, the, the next week, we will not have a Monday episode because on Tuesday, September 26th and on Wednesday, September 27th, we're going to bring you a two part Ryder Cup preview collaboration with Beef Johnston. Beef has a, a podcast you should go check out right now called Beef's Golf Club, wherever you get your pods. Uh, and, and it's going to be a little bit of a collaboration. Smiley sitting with Beef. We're going to have one episode where they run through the entire Team Europe preview and then another where they go through the entire uh, American team. So got to be some fun stuff for you guys. Just going to lead up to the Ryder Cup uh, with all that coming up. So, yeah, I mean, that that's about all for this week, Smiley, unless you have any uh, final thoughts for the audience. Uh, no, just uh, just T's and P's to me. I'm getting on a, um, a, I actually found one thought. Delta. Have you seen the Loyalist program they just came out with? I, I have seen rumblings of Delta controversy. I'm not like a big, I'm not like a big like Sky Miles loyalty program myself. Maybe I just so don't you're not fly a hard enough, but I've heard this. There's something, stuff. something bad has happened there. 
Yeah, it, it's. I, it I really just don't. It, is it what, what happened? It's they they dropped this program as far as just um, there's like four different bubbles. It's like MQNs, MQDs. It's so MQ whatevers. But basically, what it all comes down to is how much money you spend with them. It's not about how many miles you spend with them. And a lot of people were just upset because the loyalty aspect of just flying Delta was would give you good status because you know the more you fly with them, the more they rewarded you as far as um, like checking different boxes to have better status. But now they're making the bet that like, hey, we we just really care about you know more international travel, um, not as much of of people that travel weekly in the states. It seems like they're. They they're more concerned about how much um, how much money you're spending with them, and what it's cutting down on is the sky lounges. That's one of the big things mm. is that they've been overcrowded, and so the people that travel internationally and spend all the money with them that are, will you know be, still be diamond medallion stuff like those lounges will be way less. So yeah. Anyways, I was gonna say just teasing peas to me. Red eyes. I hate red eyes. I'm doing one tonight, and they're the worst. So. There you go. That's my thought. That that's good. Look, I mean, I, I I the whole Delta thing is interesting because uh, I travel like a peasant, so I don't get to use any of those lodges. But I could definitely see how <laughs> T's and P's to you and others who do use those lodges uh, because, uh, yeah, that would suck not to use them. So Delta, do better. Uh, and you, audience member, listener, viewer, whatever you are, thanks for watching. Uh, and we will see you back here with Wyndham Clark on Thursday. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.